0: Again, and welcome to episode 8 of In Gear with the Shop. I'm your host, Reagan Dickinson. Our guest is Lance Stander, CEO of Superformance. It specializes in building replica and continuation race cars from the 1960s, many of which you may have seen in the movie Ford vs. Ferrari. Just so you know, you can hear this episode as well as all past and future episodes on your favorite platform, be it SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and at our website, theshopmag.com. And so, without further ado, let's get in gear with Lance. Lance. Well, first of all, Lance, I really appreciate you joining us today. I mean, it's a real thrill for me to talk to you. Um, I know a lot of our staff from the shop have visited you before and have had a chance to drive some of the cars. I think it was a thrill of their lifetimes as well.
1: So you got to come over.
0: You got to come around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. For some reason, I don't know why I was not available at that time, yeah, but yeah. next time I'm out there, I'll definitely take you up on it. Yeah, only a pleasure. We'd love to have you. So, Lance, let's, let's start with telling me how Sue Performance got started.
1: Okay, so the background to superformance was a gentleman by the name of Jimmy Price, and he wanted to own a Cobra years back, thirty plus years ago, thirty-five years ago, and he looked at what was available in South Africa at the time, and he just didn't like what he saw, and he came over to America and looked what was available. I'm talking about thirty-five years ago, and and there wasn't anything really good in the replica market here, but he found enough to go back, take back to South Africa, and he had a guy start building the car for him, and once he once he Got to a certain point, more of his friends wanted them, so he started building more, and uh, and eventually that's how Superformance started and and got established from a little three thousand square foot shop, a really filthy little shop. I've got the original pictures hmm. to the factory now. That's approximately eight hundred thousand square foot and five hundred and something employees, and we build we can build as many as five hundred cars a year.
0: Five hundred,
1: yeah. Yeah. Wow. We're not at the moment. The market doesn't carry it, but it did carry 500 cars a year up until about 2006.
0: Okay. And you said that did the shop start in South Africa? Yes,
1: that's correct. The factory's in South Africa. Okay. The
0: factory is there, and so but you have a facility in California.
1: So, yeah, Superformance started bringing straight after sanctions stopped in approximately 92, 93. uh, The first Superformance Cobras came to the U.S., and we have ever since then.
0: Okay. What was your involvement? How did you get involved with this? So
1: I got involved a lot later. I came to the U.S. in 98, December of 98, and I owned the largest salvage company in South Africa. It was accident damage and stolen recovered cars. Um, And we also had a small Highline dealership that my dad ran. And the bad luck, unfortunately, my dad, when he was 58, passed away from a heart attack, and he'd always wanted to be in America. So I just said to my wife, we're going to America and three kids, five suitcases, and we came to America. Mm-hmm. And initially, I wanted to start a salvage company. I had one of these crazy things in my head that I could do anything. But I quickly realized that America was going to kick my butt. The salvage companies in South Africa were all million-dollar businesses. The salvage companies in America are billion-dollar businesses. It's a whole different league. And uh, I quickly realized it wasn't going to work. And we heard about the Cobras being sold in Southern California built in South Africa and uh, I didn't want to do it. But my wife said, well, let me do that and it'll keep me busy while you try and get a salvage company going. And we got the little showroom took the name Hill Bank, which was the name of my, my dad's original company, South Africa. And he gave got the name by being on the hill next to the bank. And he called it Hill Bank. Okay. And that was established in 1977 in South Africa. So we brought that name here and we started being a dealer for Superformance. And uh, that grew to approximately around 2004, the owner of Superformance, who's the owner of the high-tech factory, started talking to me and saying, look, you know, I just really want to build the cars. I don't want to be part of the distribution in America. So I said, well, I'll be very interested. I'd like to buy it from the rights from you. And when he saw I raised the money to buy the rights to distribute the Superformance cars in America, he says, well, you might as well own the whole company, the tooling, etc. for all the cars, the intellectual property rights, the trademarks, the whole lot. And he threw a, a couple more zeros on the back of the number. Now, I, I realized that it's what I wanted to do. I didn't want to do a half a job. And I, I bought the whole of Superformance in 2004 and the worldwide distribution. And it was on the back of the Shelby negotiations that we were busy with. We had come out of a four-year lawsuit with Carroll and uh, we'd, we'd reached a settlement and, and we also offered to build his cars for him because he wasn't coming right for getting the Cobras built. Okay, And so that all progressed. Uh, you know, From then onwards, with Superformance builds all the Shelby cars all the CSX-numbered cars for Shelby American also and Shelby licensing.
0: Oh, okay. And what were the steps that the company took along the way to make sure that the venture would be a success, that it would work out ultimately?
1: You know, I I have to give all credit to Jim Price there. Uh, You know, on the distribution and the sales side, I always say I'm just a used car salesman and I can sell anything. (laughs) But but Jimmy, you know, the, the, the way he ran the factory and his dedication to trying to perfect the cars you're building something from the 60s you're giving it to guys now that are used to cars from the 2000s you know the audis and Lexus's lexuses and bmw's and you still got to satisfy them because it would be different if you were building it purely for guys that from the 60s but you're not anymore but he still managed to get the quality to a, to a hell of a high standard in the super performance brand and uh, and all credit goes to him we we lived through some really tough times when the economy crunched. We went from the 500 car number I told you about. And I think in 08 or 09, we only sold 80 cars. So, you can get an idea what that does to a factory that has 600 employees at the time. Right. Um, and, and it was a real tough time. And, but we got through all of that. Whenever we would decide on a particular model of the 60s cars that Carol built or For instance, the GM, the Corvette Grand Sport, we really research everything. We'll find whoever's the expert at the time and experts at the time and Mm -hmm. get all the information, get the blueprints, get whatever is available for these cars. Bits and pieces of original parts, original drawings, traveled to England for the GT40. You know, we traveled to England. We traveled to spend time with uh, Lee Holman, uh, spent time with a guy up in New York, the name case me now, Rob Ash, um, one famous restorer that's restored most of the original race cars from the 60s, you know, bought a ton of stuff. And then we go back and research it. And on average, it'll take us four to five years before we bring that model out it just doesn't happen immediately. And
0: how are you incorporating the modern element into these vehicles?
1: Well, that's starting to happen a lot more. And we're pushing for this really hard. About 15 years ago, I got involved with Senator Campbell, John Campbell, and a couple of other people that were trying to get the Low Volume Manufacturer Act approved. And we didn't get very far with it. And then eventually, SEMA. Got on the bandwagon to help us, and SEMA did a hell of a job. And and it was when she signed in; it was the the low volume manufacturer was signed in by Obama just before he went out. And but unfortunately, the the, the bureaucrats, the EPA, uh, NHTSA, that, all of them have just held it up and originally it was signed and the requirement was that they all had 12 months to comment on the regulations that were part of the act and of course they never did it they never commented never got anywhere and we're still sitting waiting so if you could put any pressure from your side or your your listeners Mm -hmm. we'd really like you know to get this we've now got the epa to sign off we've got carbon bar that signed off uh, but we are now stuck with Nitsa, and they still haven't given us our final go ahead we registered as a manufacturer we have our 17 digit bin number but we're not really allowed to go ahead and produce cars and put them out. But when we are, we we're gonna the cars are gonna have traction control, ABS, which is not a requirement of low volume, but we're going the next step. They'll of course have emission compliant engines. And we've, you know, really stuff like air conditioning, power steering, um, you know, backup camera and all that type of stuff. We've started incorporating in Cobras that we export to China and Indonesia and other countries, uh, Asian countries. They like the Cobras a little more modern than the traditionalists who are the Americans, the Japanese, the English, Europeans, and of course, the Australians. They like the traditional Cobra. But um, I've grown to love the, the Cobras with the more modern engines, the Coyote engine, the Alice the the GM performance parts engines and lt versions all excellent excellent engines uh, economical when you consider what you pay for the amount of horsepower that comes from these engines mm. right. and then of course you get a cobra that's normally an 11 mile to a gallon car all of a sudden mm. we're getting 22 and 24 miles to a gallon and we have yeah. got 500 horsepower and the car only weighs 2450 pounds
0: that's pretty amazing Yeah, yeah. You you know, you talked about the research that goes into it, and it takes four or five years to actually have that build realized. And are there certain processes that you go through, or are there certain manufacturing processes that y'all have perfected or things that you've learned along the way so that you ensure that accuracy and that quality when building these replicas?
1: Yeah, you know, one of the big things with, with the replicas, most of the cars we do are fiberglass. Well, it's actually a vinyl ester composite body that we have manufactured and the big things that everybody always said about fiberglass you'll see they're a little wavy and and they tend to distort and stuff like that whereas you can look at a 22 year old superformance car the paint will still be perfect and the body will still be very straight so that took many years and superformance high-tech was a partner with a company called Aerodyne, and they go way back they they actually made the carbon fiber seats for the Concorde. so their techniques and their 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 expertise Expertise was right out the box, and Mm -hmm. and they helped us a lot in perfecting our processes to make the bodies. Then it comes to the the frames and and we tested everything because you know people are heavier than they were in those days. Cars are <laughs> the engines yeah. are so much more powerful. Yeah. Uh, you know, for, you know, used to have to modify like crazy to get an engine up to five and six hundred horsepower. And it would definitely not do that on pump gas back in the 60s. There was no way that was happening. Right. Now you know you can supercharged LT4 is 650, 700 horsepower uh, on pump gas. So the cars have to be a lot stronger. The suspensions is We've got extra gusseting and extra reinforcing. The GT40, for instance, is a pressed steel monocoque, the same as the original car. And that's now we use a, a zinc coated um, steel similar to what's used on, in the production of Audis. So it's thicker and better and doesn't rust like the old GT40s
0: used to. Okay. What is your most popular build and why do you think that's so?
1: Well, it's still the Cobra. And as everybody knows, that's the most replicated car ever by okay, a long yeah. shot. Nothing touches, nothing's sure. been replicated like the, the Cobra. Mm-hmm. So the Cobra is still our top seller and we have so many different versions of the Cobra. From the 289 slab side Cobra which was the first Cobra in 1962 uh, we then go through to the Sebring Cobra which was how the 289 was raced in 63 and then in the 64 which was the 289 FIA and 65 and of course the 427 and each one of these editions we build as a Shelby with all the correct componentry according to the Shelby spec that's been given to us by Shelby with some modern Changes to, to make it safe. And then we build them everything in a super performance version, which will have you know power brakes and, and a slightly different frame. So the, the Cobra is by far the, the most popular. And, and we have so many different models of Cobra. And then we'll do a roadster with an undercar exhaust car. And then we do a side pipe car. And we make hard tops and soft tops for all of them. So the Cobra is the big one. The next very popular seller for us, and it's gone crazy since the movie, of course, is the. The GT40. Right now, we've got a a year waiting list for one of our GT40s. Wow. Okay. And and that cars cost us a lot of money over the years to to get get right. And we there built all the models again. We start with Mm -hmm. a little street car from 1964, which was a very narrow body car with wire wheels. And we do that, and then we build what we call the regular body, more like 65 uh, that was raced then, and then we build the wide body. And after that, we go to an even wider body, which was a 6869, uh, 50th anniversary car built based on P1075 that won Lamar 6869. And in between that, we have the Mark II, which Carroll, of course, the whole movie was about the Mark II GT40 that Ken Miles raced at in 1966. And mm-hmm. of course, they won Lamar in 66 with a Mark II. So that's, that's our GT40s, which is a, a, a gamut of all the 40s that were done. There's a couple of variations that we haven't got to yet. The Sebring Roadster being one. And in the GT40, they also had a Sebring Roadster, which had a cutoff roof. But we will be looking at offering that in the future.
0: So speaking of that Mark II GT40, tell me about um, Superformance's involvement in Ford versus Ferrari.
1: So we supplied approximately 30-something cars. We supplied the two main GT40s that you see all the close-ups are because our cars are very accurate. Mm -hmm. Another company did supply some of the cars that are used in the race scenes that are smashed and damaged. Uh, They were basically tubular cars with fiberglass bodies and (laughs) Chevy engines. Whereas the stuff we supplied for all the close-up scenes where you see Henry Ford in the GT with Carol, you know, Matt Damon driving. And uh, when you see them come down and see the first big block GT40 that's those were our cars and then we supplied the car that was shown in the accident scene that caught a light at the airport. That was actually a smash GT40 we had in inventory and, okay. and that car was there. And then there's another one where they show a scene where the car is being worked on and the front clip is off and the back clip is off and that's actually my son's, well, it was mine but my son wasn't going to wait until I pass away to take it so <laughs> he, he's claimed, but we've had that car yeah. for 12 years and yeah. uh, the engine scene where you see the engine idling on the engine stand or running on the engine stand that we supplied and then we Supplied six slab side Cobras for the the, the little 29 race cars. Uh, the one, the blue one that Carol drives in the movie, Matt Damon drives, and then uh, Dave McDonald's car, the red uh, little slab side that you see in the first scene of the first race, which is really sad in a way because in that scene it shows um, Ken Miles in the white Cobra saying, "You know, Dave, move out the way. You are in the way." And in the real what happened back in the 60s, Dave McDonald actually won that race, not Ken Miles. Oh, and oh. Dave McDonald's son works for us, Rich McDonald, wonderful guy. And, and he helped okay. a lot with the movie and helped the the producers with, you know, getting the movie as accurate as proper now the movie is not accurate it's hollywood but it's an excellent movie they did such a good job of it and if, as we all know that documentaries only show to a few hundred people movies at hollywood show to thousands and thousands if not millions yeah, right. and, yeah, and, and, exactly. and that movie does appeal to everybody and then we saw all the background scenes where you saw the white Cobras, those were actually all Superformance Mark 3s. And we had wrapped them in a white kind of a cream wrap so that they would just form part of the scene. And then we also supplied the polished Daytona that was standing there. And the Daytona was in the back of the, the transporter up in the air. And we supplied a couple of Mustangs <laughs> just for some of the scenes.
0: Okay. Now, what's the most important lesson that you've learned from a sales standpoint Huh,
1: that's a that's a tough one there's too many lessons and I'm still learning you never yeah, right. stop learning you know yeah. uh, I, I have found you know we've become a little more stubborn when I, if I want to say when we sell and we won't always listen to the customer and they always say the customer is right but customers can make mistakes and what we found is everybody has this crazy dream he wants 700 600 horsepower in his cobra and that's very very possible but in, in a lot of cases it doesn't make sense I said to guys you know you comparing it to the 600 you hear for a McLaren or a Lamborghini, that's those cars are all over three and a half thousand pounds with traction control and all sorts of fancy stuff. This is only a 2,400 pound car. If you've got anything over 400 horsepower in a Cobra, you've got a very fast car. And it's not a car that you want to go do 160 miles an hour in. It's just a sprint to 120 and you back off, you know. And, <laughs> right. and so I've had customers try and over engine and get too much engine in the car and it spoils the car. So there's a lot of cases where I just say, you know what? I know what's going to happen. You're going to start bad-mouthing me on the internet. I'd rather not sell your car. You're not being sensible, and we're not going to build that. But if the guy is an ex-racer and we can see his background, he was a drag racer or something to that effect, and he wants the car for show purpose, then – Yes, we've got guys that have put over a thousand horsepower in, in the Cobras, but they don't really drive them because they're not nice to drive when they've got that kind of horsepower. Mm. Now, if you're putting six and seven hundred horsepower from a modern supercharged engine, no problem. The the car is still nice to drive. It's just it's just a, just a little too fast.
0: <laughs> right. So, tell me, how did the auction go at the Peterson Automotive Museum here recently with the Shelby?
1: That was. Really cool. Um, we left it till the last minute, which was a bit of a mistake. It should have had a, at least a two or three week run, but they wanted to close off their year and get the get the budgets done and all that. But we did well. We were quite happy with it. I believe it ended at ninety two thousand and that's approximately what a new one costs. So it, it was good. They were very happy and very appreciative and it's going to help with a lot of programs that they have planned. Um, you know, I love the way they educate the, the young generation and get them into the car hobby and 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 that's the future for us. And this was the two eighty nine Cobra, right? That was a little two eighty nine Cobra yeah currently. Uh, you know, we we had a crazy thing the other day on Bring a Trailer, um, where one of my superformance um, Mark threes that I sold brand new for about 000 10 years ago, bought it back, resold it again for sixty something, bought it back, resold it again for seventy nine. Mm. That gentleman that bought it for seventy nine put it on Bring a Trailer two days ago, and it went to one hundred and thirty five thousand plus the buyer's commission, so one forty. Really, and that's a that's a record for it. 10 plus year old superformance. That's for sure.
0: That's awesome.
1: But that's what's happening in the industry. People are buying at the moment. It's so, well,
0: we have to be grateful. (laughs) Right. And, you know, you mentioned getting education out to, you know, the younger generations. What are y'all seeing from the younger generations or kind of from a generational standpoint? Are you seeing a difference? Are you seeing movement toward a younger buyer?
1: You know, that's something that has come up with us every three or four years. We'll sit and think about it and think, well, the guys that originally saw these cars new and were 16 or 18 or 20 years old are now almost too old to buy the car. So are we losing customers? Well, no, we've been very surprised to find... We'd get a couple of 28 year olds and stuff where they had seen the car in a game, in a, in a computer game and and liked it. Since the movie, of course, it's, we're getting a whole new group of things because they've all seen the movie, seen the Cobras and loved them. Now, are we doing a more modern version? Yes. You know, 18 inch wheels lowered. A couple more refinements, in some cases, air conditioning, power steering, and stuff like that. But we've seen a lot of younger people now being interested in the Cobra. And, of course, the GT40 is timeless. We've got a young guy that's a computer programmer, I believe a game programmer, and and he's only about thirty. Four. He's done really well. He bought a GT40, and he's doing a lot of modern changes to it. And then he didn't want to wait until it's finished, so he bought another one from here, used one that was here, and he's driving that around. And then he said, well, now I need a Cobra, and he bought a Cobra. And then his wife was upset. She didn't have anything, so he bought a Caterham from us for her. She's She drives pretty fast and does Jim Gymkhana's or uh, autocross. And uh, so, and, and they, they're in their early 30s, so the customer base has moved. And we're doing a lot more. More export not to uh, as I say places like Malaysia
0: Indonesia and, and China has opened up for us mm. well you know what the music means our time is up oh but- no <laughs> yeah <laughs> but I really appreciate your time I think you've been very forthcoming with the information and like I said I'm just uh, an enthusiast of of what y'all are doing. And so I appreciate it.
1: Thank you very much. And thanks for giving me the time to explain it all. And if anybody wants to find out more, just go to superformance.com or shelbilegendrycars.com and uh, you could see more about all our products.
0: Absolutely. Thanks again, Lance.
1: Thank you. Thank
0: you. Take care. Now, as Lance mentioned, you can find out more at superformance.com. And if you search for Performance at theshopmag.com, there's even more cool tidbits about this high-octane company, as well as the latest from around the industry. And show your love by subscribing to In Gear with the Shop at SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. That way you get In Gear every time a new episode is available. Well, thanks again for listening. And until next time, adios amigos.